Welcome to Cromali Exchange. I'm here with Bernard Calibo, the owner of Master Chocolate by Bernard. But who is Bernard Calibo? Anyone from Calgary would know the name. A chocolate staple for generations of people, Bernard ran a chocolate business branded after his own name. He opened his first shop in 1983. But after hitting financial trouble and entering receivership in 2010, he lost his company and his ability to put his own name on a new one. Now that's covered, let's get back to the episode. This is a business that is taking off to the next level. We're going to talk about all that going going forward, but there's a big story behind this, and I'm looking forward to it. Keep on pushing to meet the needs of the customer. We'll meet the needs of the business. The Carmali Exchange is brought to you by Master Chocolate by Bernard. Bernard, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Look at this. The full factory behind us. You're going to see a lot of things happening. People running around, chocolate being made, and of course, the passion coming out. Bernard, I'm really interested. This is the first time I've actually got into the weeds of a business with my guests. I got to see the financials. I got to see the shop. I got to see everything about this business. <laughs> I'm excited because this is the next chapter that we're, we're going to be headed towards. Master Chocolate is, of course, a sponsor of the Carmali Exchange as well and I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so, very much. So let's have a bit of a conversation about how we connected together. I was introduced to you through an alumni or a former guest of this show. And when he came to me and he said, here's an opportunity to be involved in a wonderful business, um, he didn't tell me the name yet. He was talking about this business as a chocolate business. I'm not very knowledgeable about chocolate, um, so I was a little bit apprehensive. We sat down and we went through some numbers. And he said, this is who it is. And I said, okay. I'm in. How do I get involved? How do I get, how do I make an impact? Because I don't want to just be an investor. I can invest in anything out there, but I want to be part of it. I want to see it grow. What was your side of the story? How did, how did you find out about myself and how did, how did you come to the conclusion that we're worth working together? You know, here our team, what is two people, uh, you know, here in, in the office that, that run, run the business, uh, we knew that we, we need some more input from other people. I think that's often with small businesses that yeah. that you, you run by one or two people and they need some more uh, knowledge from outside people. And because of your background and uh, Jan's background, uh, see how he runs his business and, and yours, like we definitely were very interested to talk to you guys. And it was really something uh, we were looking to people that will contribute to the business yeah not be passive but add the value and that's really why we were very interested to, to, to and that's why what we want to do is we want to add value to this business this is not just let's get in there and sell some chocolate but this is about adding value to the city the country a lot of people in this country don't know this name so i need your help to grow this name across the country and I need your, your ideas. How can myself, the rest of the team members, Bernard, build this business even more? I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Because I think that's a way that we can get this business community helping other business owners like us mm -hmm. on how to do this. I'd look forward to your, your help as well. So I want to kind of actually promote the fact that, you know, you have 40 years of experience in this industry but it's not just making chocolate that's your industry. It's manufacturing, it's marketing, it's connecting with customers. It's, that's the experience. So we've got six boxes here. These are your favorite pieces of chocolate that you've picked out. <laughs> 
in each of the boxes a question. I'll ask you one, you ask me one, we'll go back and forth and have a great conversation. Okay, All right. super. Here's the first one we're going to open up. Okay, you got to tell me about this piece of chocolate. It's called the Jean-Luc. And uh, as you know from Star Trek, you have Captain Jean-Luc, and yep. uh, they were here. And so the organizers of Comic-Con, they asked me, can you make a chocolate with Earl Grey tea? Perfect. So we did that for that, and people loved it so much that I kept it in my assortment. The other one is the, the Bella. It has pistachios in it, and I took that to the Academy of Chocolates in England, and uh, I got a, a gold medal with that chocolate. So it's a classic, but it's like uh, simple in recipes but good quality ingredients. And that's really the base for how, what we work on, how we work on. Which leads us to our first question. You've, you've, you've worked with celebrities. You've received r- world recognition on your chocolate. And the question that came out of the box is, what is the secret to a 40-year business? The, the secret to a 40-year business, like I, I think the, the, the key is you have to be passionate in what you do. It doesn't matter what field you're in. As you know, I had to start from scratch. Yep. But when you're passionate about it, uh, you're motivated to start from scratch with, uh, you, with the new book. You start uh, from the experience, that the mistakes that you made. But when, once you're truly passionate, you want to do it. That's, what, that's your purpose. That's, that's why you get out of bed. You know, some people want to play golf. I'm not interested to play golf. Yeah. I want to make chocolates. And that's why I still like to come to work every single day. And over the 40 years, does the passion change? I would say in, in my case, it's actually in, it increased. Like I was motivated uh, to, to do better. So actually, I wanted to learn more. I read more about my industry because things change in our sure. industry too. Uh, I want to go back to the trade shows, you know, because there's, there's always new things coming up. And I, I want to educate myself uh, to become better because that's what quality is. Quality is always raising the bar. You never stay where you are because then you go backwards. You always want to improve. You make something and then you think like, how can I actually make it better? And, And I think it's an ongoing process that never stops. I've chatted with so many business owners who've been in there 40 years plus, and you can see it's kind of like their sunset. They're... They're not worried about increasing quality. They're not looking at mastering their business. They're just ready to coast into the sunset. You have a different view of that. I love that. I'd like you to go to your box now. Open up one. How do you continue to push your business rather than just coast? And I think (laughs) that question kind of falls into your answer as well. You cannot just stop. You have to continue to increase quality. If I look back... 25 years ago, what my, my business was, 25 years later, what it looks like now, it is completely changed. There are mm-hmm. some core pieces. We'll call it the chocolate of the, of the business, but there's different types of chocolate. People are looking for different things. You're adding more value. Absolutely. You're giving a connection to your, to your customer or your client. I think that's the evolution. And over the 25 years, how do you continue to do it? Is keep on pushing to meet the needs of the customer or meet the needs of the business. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's look at the next one. You started this business back in 1983. And my question that I have here is you went through some stresses. And I'm saying that nicely. I think they were stresses. They were a lot more than just stresses. What were some of those, those stresses that you experienced over the past 40 years? Well, the first in 1983, when I started, like, first of all, I knew nobody here. So, and uh, I was very you know very uh, i didn't I, I didn't know really how to run a business 
yes, we had the business at home, but that doesn't mean that you know how to do that. So it was all new to me. So uh, lots of mistakes. Uh, started with the wrong contractor, was not a nice person. So that went wrong. You know, in the beginning, you're under finance. So that, that was a, a challenge, but I made it work. Lots of hours, yeah. uh, but uh, the, the business started growing and uh, we did quite well uh, with my old company. And then in 2009, uh, when the financial crisis hit, I did quite a risky move. I was going to build a new facility on a piece of land that I had bought west of the city. And uh, the timing was wrong. The whole financial crisis, uh, the the piece of land that I bought was worth much less than I paid for. And then, uh, you know, I made some wrong moves. Like like I said on Dragons then, they asked me the question. uh, And I said, like, you know, I take the full responsibility. It's very easy to blame the bank this, the bank that. But you're the captain of the ship. Sure. And ships run into storms. And you, as a captain, has to navigate the ship so that you avoid to make that the ship sinks. And I made some wrong moves. Uh, and, and so I take the full responsibility for having lost the company. How hard was it to rebuild? You know, the, the, there is two sides to that. There's the whole personal side, like for the family, it was very difficult, you know, lo- losing your house, etc. that is not yeah. easy. Starting the new business, actually, for me, it was very inspiring because you start with a clean sheet. It's, it's really an, an amazing experience to start from basically nothing yeah. and, and build it again. It is a challenge. It has been a challenge for many years to do that, but it's very rewarding. Like at one point I was in a, in, actually it was an old sandwich bar. That's where I started in on yeah. a bow bottom trail. Yeah. And then ultimately we are here and you know, now larger companies are starting to interest, you know, to come and knock on our door. And so it has been quite a whole evolution and, uh, but it's very rewarding. Fantastic. I have one more question. Can I have that box of chocolate back? Because okay. <laughs> they're, they're, they're great. I want to keep it. So, yeah. <laughs> You're going to keep mine too? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, we'll put your box up now. What question do you have for me? Okay. So, what do you think is going to be the biggest need for business owners in the next five years? So, I think what we've experienced over the last 10 years was an influx of a revolution on the technology side, especially social media. And at that point in time, it was very early and people were able to get business online. I think it's a big change happening. The brand is one part of it, but I think the connection to community of your clients and customers is the most important piece going forward over the next five years. If they do not stay connected with the brand, if they do not stay connected with the business, they have umpteen number of options out there to go elsewhere. So one thing that you and I have talked about this business is how do we bring more traffic is one, but how do we bring more community and connection here and in all your locations? And I think that over the next five years, that will have them not just like your chocolate, but love your chocolate. And when that like turns into love over the next five years, that's bulletproofing your business. I think that's where a lot of businesses are going to fail because they assume you just post online, everything will happen, no problem, easy money coming in. Easy money's gone now. It's going to be a lot tougher to get that customer. So we got to build that community and bring them in. And I think that's that's the next phase of this business that I'm going to see interesting and happening. And I think you've done a great job. You show up 
everybody swarms around you. You know, they want to know what your experiences are. They want to see you look with the chocolate. You know, little kids want to be around you to corporate parties. You've built that, that brand. I think that's one piece. I think other businesses have to learn from you as an example on how to build a community of people that will follow you. I think that's the next, next, next five years. Oh. All right, my turn. Yeah, my make, turn. Makes sense to me. My turn. <laughs> All right, lessons from the past. You went through receivership. Uh, you tried to go back and buy that business. It didn't work. It didn't, it didn't happen. If you look back now, what would you do differently? Uh, that's a, a good question. Uh, so uh, just like to tell you what happened in the in court, because I, I was in the court like uh, mm-hmm. with a financial backer, yeah. we actually offered to the to the court a much better deal than the other party. And, uh, but on a technicality, the judge awarded the, the business to, to, to the other party. And actually, the, the, the creditors would have had way more money. They would have had 70, 80 cents on the dollar yeah. uh, with our offer. But, you know, the judge on that technicality, you know, uh, gave it to me. Very hard when you sit in court, when you know that your deal is much better than the other party, and then you lose it. But, you know, that's that's life. Yeah. So you have to sit down, deep breath, and then you, you get going. The day after, right away, we were already, my wife and I, to decide that we're going to start all over again. That was really the first goal. And we, in December, we, we started, the 1st of December, we started selling chocolate in that sandwich bar on Bow Bottom Trail. Just so people understand this, because when a business goes through what your business went through, like a receivership, and to start all over again, one of the biggest reasons why people don't do it is that I'm too late in the game. At what age were you when you started all over again? 58? I don't think about age. I think <laughs> I have the, you know, I have the genes of my mother. She was always young in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a frame of mind. Uh, I don't think about that. Uh, I simply, I think it's the drive of the passion too. Yeah. Like I want to get back into the game and, 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 you know, and, and do that again because that's what I love doing. So yeah. I don't think about age. And I think that's credit to you that you look past the number. Many people will stop there and say, hang on, I'm, I'm in the sunset years of my life. I don't want to go through all this headache again. I still have a passion for my craft but all the extra stuff running a business is too much and they step away. And we've lost a lot of great talent in the community because they've stepped away. You didn't, you've added more talent. You've brought more to your assortment. You've brought a bigger reach than you, than you have before. And I think that's an opportunity for not only this business, but for all entrepreneurs to go, you can always build going forward regardless of what that number or age is. And I think you're a testament to it. Well, thank you. How about you like, take a look at that next box? We haven't eaten any chocolates. What's wrong with I this? I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to get into it, but I'm just, I guess I'm kind of shy of showing people how I eat chocolate, <laughs> you know? So I want to take it home and just keep it for myself. <laughs> Lessons from your past. What would you tell yourself if you could talk to Faisal when he was first starting his business? So if I could go back and talk to my younger self, um, number one, patience. It will happen. Mm-hmm. The planning that I did, I thought only about the craft and not about the client. So let's take your business as an example. If I was 
25 years ago, I would have just focused on the chocolate and not about the business itself. Not what the client and the customers are looking for. I would say, this is what you need. This is the type of chocolate you need. I've learned now that's not always what has to happen. Your customer demands something. You can fill that demand with your craft. And so I started with my craft. I, I manage money. I do a lot of research. I, and this is the right way of doing the portfolio. This is the right way you should manage your money. Well, that's not always the only way of doing it. So as our customers were looking for more and more than just money management, for example, we started building and creating more to them. So I think that's one key thing that I would teach myself or tell myself 25 years ago was to not just think about this as your only part of your business. There's going to be a lot more that your customers and clients will want in the future. And let's be ready for that because sometimes there's a resistance to expand, grow, do different things, try different, try different things. In, in your craft, you're trying different things. Look at the different chocolates that you have. You're meeting customers' demand. In my business that I started, there's like one output. It's here's your portfolio, here's your investments. That's it. And that's not always the case because there's more to that. There's a whole bunch of planning and strategy and working with the clients and building a community and all the other things that I wish 25 years ago I would have that foresight to think it's going to be more than just the craft of running a, a, a portfolio. Yeah, and, and, and I don't disagree with you. Like uh, it, my business, you, you have to have a knowledge to make a good product. For sure. So there's a base. For that, sure. That's the building block. Correct. But then there is all the other aspects. That's right. And that's what you don't think about. In a, uh, definitely, it was the same when I started. Yeah. was the same thing. I didn't think about it. But I think it's still important to have a knowledge because I see often people start a business and they really don't have the knowledge. Yeah. And I think that you have very little chance to succeed if you definitely in, in the food business if you don't really have a, a proper knowledge of what you're doing absolutely even in my business for sure if you don't have a proper knowledge you can make a major impact on someone's future and that's a bad thing so bernard when you when you look at the future of master chocolate what scares you or brings a little bit of fear of the future and where's the opportunity that you see in the future i'm not scared okay. <laughs> i think like uh, uh i'm actually super enthusiastic that uh we are only in the beginning stage mm -hmm. i'm i'm a firm believer in it mm -hmm. and, uh, and i think uh, we have the base uh, we have a fantastic team of people your knowledge you know will help us to grow uh, have many more opportunities. So I'm looking forward for the next couple of years. So I cannot retire. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want to keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, tough one. Out of every piece of chocolate you have on this table right here, if you had to take one to Faisal's house to give to his family to try, just one piece, which one piece would it be from here? Probably the Earl Grey tea. There we go. I hope you like tea. Uh, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm in trouble. No, it's perfect. Great pick. That's what I would have picked as well. So, fantastic. This is, this is a very interesting phase of your journey uh, with this business. I think people need to understand that, you know, when you go through what you've gone through, a receivership of your, your first business, and, and then trying to rebuild and create what you've created, the real thing that has stuck throughout has been the brand. People know who you are. People know the quality of the chocolate. This business is going to go past you. It's going to go beyond your years. Mm -hmm. And so when it goes from the next generation to the next generation, master chocolate's still going to be surviving because it's the quality, it's the, it's the connection to customers, and it's a bit of you that you've brought into here that's going to stay forever. That is a very, very difficult piece for people to understand 
in any business out there that it's going to be beyond their years, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So when you think of that, when you think that at some point, way in the future, you're not going to be here. What's the one thing you want people to remember about you and about this business? You know that the brand Bernard Calabot represents quality. Yeah. But also as an organization, you know, I always see a business as a community because all the people that work here, they have families, etc. And for me, that's important. Yeah. That's the difference, I think, often between a family business than uh, often publicly traded companies that is much more different. And uh, I've always been brought up in that. And can you become big and uh, still have that spirit? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, you can. But it has to be, uh, the upper management has to or be willing to transmit that uh, that core value. Yeah. That's really what, you know, that's what I would like as a legacy. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for joining me today, Bernard. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button for more from the Carmali Exchange and feel free to follow me on social media at Faisal Carmali.